Hi everyone, Tommy here, to let you know that you can now pre-order the St. Dymphna's Playbook book due out on November 5th from Ave Maria Press. You can order wherever books and ebooks are sold. We'll put the link to the book on Ave's website in the show notes, so you can go and check it out and use the code BEWELL, all one word, to get 25% off. Thanks so much! St. Teresa of Avila once said, We can only learn to know ourselves and do what we can. Welcome to the 102nd episode of St. Dymphna's Playbook, the SDP, if you want to be cool, a production of the Grexley Podcast Network. My name is Tommy. I'm a cradle Catholic, a marriage and family therapist, a husband and father of five boys, four on earth, and one in heaven. I love you, Luke. And I'm here to fill the void of Catholic conversations about mental health because I want everyone to remember that God created us to become a saint as the person we are, not to become someone different in order to become holy. We like to kick it off around here with a quick refresh of our notifications. It's time for St. Dymphna's Mentions. Today's first topic is one that I think all of us spend time thinking about. How can we stop comparing ourselves to others, particularly other Catholics? We might often find ourselves comparing holiness, comparing families, etc. And even though we know it's unhealthy and unhelpful, we can't seem to stop. Let's start by praying for each and every one of us who's been stuck in our minds comparing ourselves to others for peace, for contentment, and for the ability to turn those thoughts off. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thine intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. We can all start by cutting ourselves some slack. It seems as though comparing ourselves is human nature. We can't help it. We look to the other family sitting in the pew just ahead and start thinking how good and holy they are. Their kids are listening and being quiet. They have more kids than us, so they must really trust in God. We start to make up these stories in our minds and then seem to always assume that others are doing better than us. This happens on social media as well. People post about praying the divine office, the rosary, going to daily mass, making the perfect birthday cake for their kids, etc. And we can't help but see ourselves as less than. We can't help but compare, and it hurts us, really. It can leave us feeling guilty, hopeless, and kind of like giving up. Theodore Roosevelt, oddly enough, once said, Comparison is the thief of joy. And I think that's a great truth, but it doesn't answer the big question. How do we stop? We'll look to psychology today for some thoughts. First, become aware of and avoid your triggers. Start noticing the situations that cause you to play the comparison game. Social media is a big one for most of us. What about other circumstances? Is there a certain person who's constantly bragging about this or that or asks you questions about your life that seem designed to make you feel inferior? Make a list of who and what you frequently envy or compare yourself to. Write how each negatively affects you and why it's actually a waste of your time. Resolve to catch yourself next time. 
Number two, remind yourself that other people's outsides can't be compared to your insides. This is such a helpful habit to cultivate. Unless you're really close to someone, you can't use their outward appearance to judge the reality of their life. People carefully curate their social media versions of their lives and do the same with the lives they live out in public. Third, be grateful for the good in your life and resist any lies that shout it's not enough. If you commit yourself to being particularly deeply grateful for what's good in your life and remind yourself of it daily, you'll be far less vulnerable for comparison and envy. If someone or something triggers that ugly feeling of negative comparison, stop and remind yourself what's good in your life right now. Number four, use comparison as motivation to improve what actually matters. This human propensity to want what others have is such a waste of time unless what you see and covet is another or in another is something of deep worth such as their generosity or kindness. Who do you admire? What kinds of comparisons might actually be healthy for you? I hope those are helpful things to think about. So each episode, I'm going to introduce you to a saint who can help us along our journey with mental health and wellness as Catholics. It's called Friend Request. And today I'm going to introduce you to Saint Alphonsus Rodriguez. Born in 1532 in Segovia, Spain, Rodriguez was the son of a wool merchant. We'll get some help from Wikipedia to start us off. When Peter Faber, one of the original Jesuits, visited his city to preach, his family provided hospitality to the Jesuit. Faber prepared the young Rodriguez for his first communion. He went to a Jesuit school at the age of 12, but had to return home after his father died to help his mother run the family business. He married at 26 and had three children with his wife Maria, but she and two of their three children died five Five years later, leaving him a widower with one surviving child. He began to separate from the world around him, obviously crushed with grief. His third child would eventually die as well, and at this point, he turned to the idea of joining a religious order. He attempted to enter the Jesuits, but without education, he was unable to be accepted. He attempted to complete some schooling, but he didn't find some success. Eventually, the Jesuits would admit him, and he would live a long and holy life in the order. He died in his 80s, with his memory failing to the point of being unable to remember his favorite prayers. I think it's so important to get to know saints like Alphonsus Rodriguez, saints who have experienced such difficult grief and trials during their lives, saints who seem to have the door shut in their face even when they feel God is calling them in a specific direction, and saints who push through all of that one step at a time and now are in heaven waiting to pray for us as we experience that same grief, that same door slamming, that we may experience like them the grace of God to help us carry on. We like to close out this part of the podcast with a prayer, O God, in the faithful service of our brother Alphonsus, you have shown us the way to joy and peace. Make us ready and watchful companions of Jesus who become the ser- who became the servant of all and now lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. And now, you can't do therapy over Twitter, but I'm happy to take your tweets and help you explore a bit in the hopes of finding a light in the darkness. It's time for Twitter Therapy. Anonymous gets us started. How do you recognize what is scruples versus what a genuine spiritual concern about yourself is? Let's start by praying for every single one of us living with scruples that God may give us peace and grace to know ourselves as he knows us and to love ourselves as he loves us. 
Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. First of all, I just want to say how amazing it is that you're even thinking about this. So many of us go through our day, our day-to-day life without really giving any thought to our spiritual progress, let alone if our thoughts are actually genuine spiritual concerns or scrupulosity. So I just want to say what a great witness you are, and thanks for bringing this question up. Let's start with a quick look at the International OCD Foundation for some thoughts on how to tell the difference between scrupulosity and normal religious practice. Unlike normal religious practice, scrupulous behavior usually exceeds or disregards religious law and may focus excessively on one trivial area of religious practice, while other, more important areas may be completely ignored. The behavior of the scrupulous individuals is typically inconsistent with that of the rest of the faith community. Back to me. I think that's the crucial point here. Is our behavior typically inconsistent with the rest of our faith community? That can be hard to figure out, but talking to a trusted friend or priest may be a good way to guide us in deciphering this. For a little more of a faith-based explanation, we'll look to the Catholic Encyclopedia hosted by the Catholic Answers website. Among these indications that a person that persons are scrupulous is a certain rooted attachment to their own opinion, which makes them unwilling to abide by the judgment of those whom they consult. In consequence, they might be tortured by an overshadowing dread that sin lurks in everything they do and say and think. So back to me, as we mentioned with the quote uh, from the top from St. Teresa of Avila, um, we can only learn to know ourselves and do what we can. We can take a serious look about what these, where these things come from. Do they come from a feeling that sin lurks in everything we do from a fear of God? Or do they come from a starting point uh, that God can forgive us for anything that we do from a starting point that we're generally good people? Things like that. This is something we can only answer for ourselves, but hopefully these thoughts give you a starting point. Yolanda is up next. My father, baby boomer, immigrant, doesn't believe in mental health issues in a nutshell. He says those with mental health issues have weak minds. Quote, if you can control your mind, you can control anything, end quote. And he had such a difficult and sad childhood that one cannot say that he has not struggled and known death, abuse, sadness, physical pain, emotional distress, etc. Without jumping to how do we convince them, I'd like to ask, how do we help them begin to understand that we feel and experience life differently? What can we say? What can we do? Let's start by joining in prayer together for everyone who sees mental illness in this way for the light of truth and compassion to come into their hearts, and for those who know them, that their experience may spark empathy and understanding. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. I think it's important to start by pointing out that your dad's thoughts on mental health are pretty normal. Many, many people see mental distress as a weakness. And if we're honest with ourselves, we have some of those thoughts in our own minds as well. I mean, I know I do. Even as a therapist, whenever I personally experience depression, anxiety, grief, etc., I 
almost always have the come on Tommy suck it up and get over it uh, attitude right like rather than seeing the importance of reaching out for help because my symptoms are beyond my control it can be hard to swim around in this culture all of our lives and not come away with some of that internalized stigma so how do we move in the right direction how do we help ourselves and those around us better understand what mental illness actually is we'll start with some thoughts from my friends at NAMI the National Alliance on Mental Illness Mental illness is not anyone's fault, any more than heart disease or diabetes is a person's fault. According to the Surgeon General's report, mental disorders are health conditions that are characterized by alterations in thinking, mood, or behavior, or some combination thereof, associated with distress and or impaired functioning. Mental illnesses are not a condition that people choose to have or not have. Mental illnesses are not a result of willful, petulant behavior. No one should have to feel ashamed of this condition any more than any other medical condition. And, and I'll add another little myth reality from their website. Myth, a person can recover from a mental illness by turning his or her thoughts positively and with prayer. Reality, recovery is possible when the person receives the necessary treatment and support. Of course, spirituality can be an important source of strength for some individuals as well. So back to me. I think that's a great starting point, but I'll also share my thoughts about how I approach this with people, and that's to explain how mental illness is no different from any other illness that people may experience. We aren't dismissive of a diagnosis or call someone weak because they got breast cancer or dementia or some other physical health disease, and rightfully so, we shouldn't be. We should be unconditionally supportive, compassionate, and encouraging them to get the help that is indicated. The same should be true of mental illness. Why should we consider someone weak because their serotonin isn't connecting to the synapse in their brain and as a result they're feeling depressed? Is your serotonin or other neurotransmitters in your brain under the control of your brute strength or your will? No, not at all. And medication might be needed to help. And that doesn't make anyone weak. And because you mentioned it, yes, people can absolutely come away with different reactions to the same experiences, right? I may be abused as a child and come away with complex PTSD, a personality disorder, and all kinds of other mental health difficulties. And you might come from a similar situation and come away without any mental health symptoms at all. It might happen. But it doesn't mean that you're stronger than me or I'm weaker than you. It's simply our different reactions to similar situations and it's normal and it's okay i hope that helps another anonymous wraps us up how often are couples supposed to have hard check-in conversations i feel like my fiance and i should have some kind of quarterly state of the union but he thinks that's weird so let's start by praying for all couples for good communication and the ability to assume good intentions whenever possible hail holy queen mother of mercy our life our sweetness and our hope to thee do we cry, poor banished children of Eve. To thee do we send up our sighs, mourning and weeping in this valley of tears. Turn then, most gracious advocate, thine eyes of mercy toward us. And after this our exile, show unto us the blessed fruit of thy womb, Jesus. O clement, O loving, O sweet Virgin Mary, pray for us, O holy mother of God, that we may be made worthy of the promises of Christ. Thank you, thank you for this question, and thank you so much for having these difficult conversations in your relationship. I think it's a beautiful witness to all of us and a great sign that you have a special care for your relationship and want to stay on the same page. It's great. 
I think it's so vital to stay on top of things and to stay on the same page as a couple. And letting it go too long between these kinds of conversations can be really hard on the relationship. Sometimes we can go along thinking we're on the same page and everything is fine, only to hit a wall and realize we've been making different assumptions all along. And boom, we're in a fight. Instead of trying to check in along the way, know precisely where each other are at and not have these surprises too far down the line. That said, I think some couples might manage this by tackling topics as they come up in the moment, while others of us might prefer to have this sort of check-in style, like a date night where you talk about this stuff. And it might be that your fiancé simply has different expectations based around his experience of the way his family handled this kind of thing. It sounds like a great opportunity to explore expectations like this before you get married because so many of us go into relationships assuming that our way is the right way. And a simple conversation could avoid so much difficulty and hurt feelings, right? So we'll be praying for you both. All right, everyone, that's it for today's episode. Remember, you can email, DM, or tweet your questions and situations. If you'd like me to address them in a future episode, I'd be happy to keep you anonymous or not, whatever you want. Be sure to check out patreon.com slash grexley to see all the great things they've got going on over there and support the cause. Until next time, go easy on yourselves, take care of yourselves, and if you feel like you're in a place where you can't even bring yourself to pray, don't worry, I'll be praying for you. And so will St. Dymphna.